0: And learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop, May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org/slash thrive.
1: Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Through a mix of solo and interview episodes, I want to showcase all the different ways the spirit world helps guide our daily lives. Whether it's through intuition, signs, mediumship, channeling, the mystical, or the paranormal, our altruistic spirit guides and other members of our loving soul team are always there, ready, able, and willing to guide us. My guest today is Karen Hager. Karen is known for her compassionate, no-nonsense approach to the spiritual journey. She conducts more than 1,200 private intuitive sessions each year with people from around the world looking for spirit-led guidance. Karen is a passionate advocate for intuitive development, and her classes and events focus on empowering students to connect with their own natural intuitive awareness, deepen their spiritual practice, and open themselves to abundance. She is the creator and host of the long-running podcast, Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. Hello, Karen. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you.
2: I'm really glad to be here. Wonderful.
1: So I am so excited, Karen, to have a conversation with you. For somebody who has done 1,200 intuitive sessions with clients, I'm sure that you have a plethora of knowledge and information to share from what you've learned. So to get us started, I
2: wanted to first ask you, how has spirit guided your life? Oh, in every way from the very beginning, except I didn't really figure that out until I was in my early 40s. <laughs> when I look back at it now, I can see all the ways that spirit had their hand in my life, guiding my path. Even when I was an idiot, I'm kind of known for how I told my guides to shut up and go away when I was about four years old. And I meant it and I resisted and I was a brat and I wouldn't listen. And it wasn't until I was in my early forties that I found myself in a place in my life where I said yes to them. And when I look back at that now... I can see how even when I thought I was the best guide refuser, the best intuitive blocker, the best non-spiritual, not paying attention, not going there person, spirit was there guiding me every single step of the way. So Spirit's guided my life in helping me meet my partner and helping me navigate difficult situations and helping me navigate difficult physical health situations. Spirit's been with me every step of the way. And I'm so grateful for the life I'm living and the work that I do. I've been doing this professionally now 15 years. I'm so grateful for what I'm doing now. And I wish I'd said yes when I was four and a half years old instead of saying no, because I would have had that much more time of that open connection with spirit that I experience now.
1: So what happened at four and a half years old, where you were able to adamantly say, nope.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was I was a big brat, Laura, that's what happened. (laughs) What happened was that my little sister had just been born. She was beautiful. And my parents adored her. She's still beautiful. And everyone adores her. I was jealous. And my guides from the time I can remember earlier than four always talked to me and showed me things and they were very present in my life. And I have that, a really clear memory of that time when I was four and a half of telling my guides, shut up and go away. I'm not listening anymore. I don't want this. And I did that because I didn't want to be weird I wanted my parents to love me as much as they loved my sister. Now I know in hindsight, of course, they always did, but you don't know that when you're four. Sure. And that's what happened. That's why I did it. And that really started as I grew and went out into the world. It really started a pattern where every time I would resist my guides, something would happen to bring me a little closer to psychic knowing or intuitive awareness. But because I was so resistant, a lot of times that was scary. So it meant I met dead people. It meant that I was very aware of haunted places and haunted people. It meant that I would be surprised by things by knowledge that I had. Whereas now that I'm more tapped in, it doesn't surprise me and scare me that way anymore, because I'm working with my guides and have some training and know what I'm doing. So the more I resisted, the weirder it got. And so it was a relief to finally say yes and invite them back in.
1: Oh, don't you just love spirit? (laughs) They're like, okay, we're backing off. Things are gonna get a lot harder for you. (laughs) So you mentioned that you would talk to your guides and you had this communication, this relationship with them before you said, nope, go away did you actually see them? And what did they
2: look like? And how did they talk to you? I have never seen my guides with my physical eyes. Clairvoyance is one of my primary intuitive senses. So I see and know my guides through my mind's eye. So through clairvoyance, clear seeing the way that they talk to me is that I hear them in my head, not in a separate voice. It's my own voice, but I can tell who I'm talking to. I don't know a better way of describing that. So clairvoyantly, I see them. Clairaudiently, I hear them. Them. When I was little, they used to show me things like, hey, look over here's a really pretty stone. Or don't go in the kitchen right now, your mom and dad are having a fight. Or we think your baby sister's probably going to be born in the next day or so you should get ready because your grandma's coming to take care of you. So they would tell me things like that. And when I would say to my mom, look at the pretty stone, my friend showed me and she'd be like, who's your friend? And I'd be like, well, you know, my friend, The like the people, you know, don't you have friends who show you things? She thought I was weird. And if I said, you know, I think you and dad are having a fight and is everything, she'd be like, no, we're not fighting. No. How do you know that? That's weird. And I didn't want to be weird. I wanted to be pretty and cute and blonde, like my baby sister. She had blue eyes <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to be like her. And instead I was weird. Mm, I see.
1: So that's interesting how you describe the Claire audience. It's the same way for me, the way I explain it to people. It's like if you are reading a book, it's not your words, but it's your head voice. Yeah. i never (laughs) thought of it. Like It's exactly that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I guess that kind of comes back to the whole idea of these quote unquote imaginary friends. And so people or kids who say that they have this friend that no one else can see. I've had another guest on who talked about the imaginary friend that she had when she was younger, a very lovely spirit that worked with her. We got in that discussion of the difference between an imaginary friend that's loving spirit versus maybe there's a ghost in the house. How would you explain the difference since you yourself as a child had experience
2: with a loving being? So this is what I would say now as a teacher. I couldn't have told you this when I was four. As I understand it, our spirit guides are energetic beings who are not in physical form during the time that we're in physical form. And the reason for that is because they come in to help us. They come in as part of the toolkit we bring with us when we come down that. I always imagine it like the slide at the water park. They drop you in at the top and you come down that big slide to earth school, (laughs) ah, splash. And then you forget everything. Do you get a life vest or no? Well, sometimes if it's a good park that you get a life vest. Sometimes I think they just throw you down sideways. They don't care. Yeah. Head first. There, Do your thing. So our guides come in with us when we come in here and their purpose is to guide us and be with us. That's different from our loved ones in spirit. Our loved ones in spirit, when they pass, when they drop their bodies, they can connect with us and give guidance for us. They can show up as messengers on our path. Some kids who have invisible friends are talking to dead people, whether they're benign dead people or mean. Because dead people are just people, right? Good ones and bad ones, nasty and nice, generous and creepy. So for me, the difference between guides and our loved ones in spirit is that our spirit guides aren't people we've known while we've been embodied because our guides don't have bodies while we're in our body and our loved ones in spirit are not spirit guides, but they can come in and guide us, can come in and be friends, give messages. And I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people, and I know I talked to a lot of people and have had personal experience with someone, one of my beloved dead, coming in to give information or help or just check in. But to me, that's different from spirit guides.
1: I think that's good to make that distinction because I do know that, and again, it's labels, does it really matter maybe for us as humans, right? But I do know that some people, they'll call someone a loved one who's recently passed like a guardian angel or a spirit guide or something like that. And I don't say no, because I know spirit is limitless and we're always learning. So I never say, no, that's not right. Because if we want to teach people intuitively, you got to focus in on what feels right to you. Which brings me to intuition. I know that you work very closely with your intuition. Can you share what intuition
2: is to you? Oh my goodness. What is intuition to me? Intuition is the more than. So intuition is more than what I can see with my eyes, hear with my ears, touch, taste, smell, more than I can know cognitively. Intuition is the more than. And everybody has this. This isn't like my special magic thing or your special magic thing. Everybody's got this. We all have it in our own ways. My particular more than seems to be calibrated to helping people with questions feel more deeply into their hearts, uncover their own truth, shine a light on their paths. So for me, intuition is that more than that lets me work with my guides and open up to shine an extra light for people who are trying to find their way out of confusion or out of the darkness or out of the fog, which is the podcast that I do and all that try to find their way out of the fog with that insight. Other people, they use their intuition is calibrated toward prediction. Mine's not, not a fortune teller. Some people, their intuition is calibrated to connecting with their beloved dead. And those people might be psychic mediums. Some people, their intuition is calibrated to, I don't know, knowing the right thing to eat or always being able to find a parking spot. But I think that's how it is for me oh i love that i love that the more than i feel like that helps to
1: simplify it in a good way so it's easy to understand or easy to translate that in just the way that you did so i really really like that never heard it that way before but it makes complete
0: sense have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments heal traumas and change your life you still feel as if you don't belong there is a reason and a solution for this Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
1: So speaking of intuition and speaking of spirit guides... What does the relationship with you and your guides look like now? And let me backtrack. So at four and a half years old, you're like, nope, go away. Leave me alone. When did you invite them back in and why? Well,
2: and I shouldn't even tell that story because I do just sound like the biggest brat to ever <laughs> walk the planet. Oh, girl. I, I think we could all relate at some point with that. I think I've been inviting them back in without thinking of it that way for decades really, slowly, without knowing what I was doing. I finally got to a place on my trajectory. So I'm living a really wonderful life. I've had a chance to live all different places, do all kinds of different things, have all kinds of different jobs. And as I did those things and explored those adventures and made choices, I think I was inviting my guides back in. Ah, I see. I got to a place when I was about 43, 44, where I had had a series of physical health issues and I've always had a hilarious physical body. So things are always dropping off or growing where they shouldn't grow or (laughs) look, it's an extra arm, right? So something's always happening over here. And I came to that place when I was about 42, 43, where I had to have three surgeries right in a row. So I had three surgeries in 13 months. There wasn't really time to recover. We just went bam, bam, bam down the line. We had a little one and a medium one and then a really big surgery As I went through that process, as I came out of each one of those, it got harder and harder for me to hold my intuition back. Those barriers that I had put in place, the ways I thought I was doing this great job of, and I stunk at it, but I didn't know that. But the ways I thought I'd been doing such a great job of pushing everything back, it wasn't working anymore. All those barriers were coming down. And by the time I got to the recovery period from the third surgery, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to do something about this. I can't just ignore this anymore. I'm going to either have to find a way to shut this off or go completely crazy or figure out what this is and what to do with it. So I decided to go and find a teacher. I found a teacher, Matthew Engel in San Francisco. He's still working today as a teacher. And I took class with him and he very kindly brought me into a sacred space where I could see that I was Able to read people at the same level that he was able to read people, and he'd been working with people for a really long time. Instead of being all conceited about that, I was terrified. I was like, "What is this? No, this is no good. This is not (laughs) what I ordered. No, this is not what we want." And we came to the end of the class. I'm like, "So, uh, what do I do next?" And I hoped he'd say, "Either you're a fake, get out of here, or take 15 years of classes with me. That'll be $900,000, and I'd be able to leave." Instead, he said. (laughs) I love him. Matthew, if you're listening, I love you. Instead, he said, You should print business cards. (laughs) And I did. I was just crazy enough, Laura. I was just weird enough from all that surgery and just giddy enough at this sort of new reality I found myself in. I did print business cards. This is back in the day when people had business cards. And I started doing readings for people. And I did readings to practice because I wasn't sure if I could trust myself or trust my guides. So that's what happened when I let my guides back in. I found myself doing readings and that eventually led to me doing my work the way that I do it today. So when you do these readings, are you connecting with the client's guides? Who are you connecting to? I am always connecting with my guides. And I think of myself as a conscious channel. So when I am working with someone, if somebody calls me for a session, I'm still there. It's not like I roll my eyes back in my head and then have an Irish accent and then strange things come on. We're not doing that. Got it. I'm still there, but I try to get out of the way and let my guides speak through me using my voice, using images that I can understand so that I can convey the thing. My guides are always there when I'm working and sometimes depending on the person, on the question they ask, on the way their energy runs, sometimes their guides will also come forward to be part of the conversation. Everyone is different in that way. Everybody has guides. So I'm almost always able to see, not with my eyes, but clairvoyantly, the guides of the person I'm talking to. But our guides don't, as I understand, they don't insert themselves unless we allow them unless we give permission just like when I said shut up and go away my guides step back so sometimes I'm reading with someone and although their guides are there Their guides aren't taking part in the conversation and I'm just talking to the person and looking energetically at the question. So
1: this is fascinating because when I do readings for people too, I work with guides because I feel very safe and comfortable with guides and I know right away the vibrations high when they're there. So it's like a safe space. So I love talking to another person who also works so closely with guides with readings. So I'm going to get a little technical here, (laughs) but for you, Karen, how do you know when you're
2: connecting with your guide versus the client's guide? My guides and I, especially my main guide for reading, we've been working together for so long. It's like when someone you love walks in the door and you know it's them before they say anything. It's the sound of their footstep. So I know my guide's presence and I can feel that anywhere in the middle of the night and any place. That's how I know my guide is there. I also do a lot of things around sessions. I try to take a lot of steps to be sure that I'm safe, that the person I'm working for is safe. And I try to remove anything that might let me cheat or second guess myself. Sure. So I read from the energy of the voice. I don't see the person that I'm working for when I'm working out in public like I used to in the old days. Remember the old days when we went out in public? <laughs> I remember those. I work with my eyes closed. So when I'm reading in a group, I will usually have my eyes closed because I don't want any of that visual information. I do things to try to make it so that I can't break the channel by second guessing myself about what I'm saying. And when I meet other people's guides, each one of them, just like every person who calls me for a session, is completely different. And so it's almost like you're asking me, how can I tell the difference between my child and another child down the street? Well, they're completely different. I'd know my child anywhere. And I'm happy to meet the kid from down the street. It's just that they're different from my own. So I know you've
1: done thousands of readings for people. Can you share about some of the more interesting type of guides that you've come across and
2: connected with? Interesting type of guide. So yeah, I do. I do about 1200 a year. So I am so lucky. Every reading's different. Every person's different. Different guides. (laughs) I have been in people's energy, people who have not... Allowed their guides in, where when I come and look at the guide, they're like standing behind glass, like the cry room at church where you go with your crying baby so that you can see but not be heard. And I, am oh, thinking like jail, <laughs> jail. <laughs> jail. talk over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, hand on the glass. <laughs> I've seen guides who have been separated from their person, and I've been able to watch them listening to what the person says. So our guides never get angry at us. They don't judge us harshly. I have seen some eye rolls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's endearing though, isn't it? It's not like, ew, I
2: feel like it's endearing. I think it's because (laughs) our guides often see our patterns more clearly than we see them ourselves. Sure. Because our guides are watching us from a different angle. Yeah. And, When we connect with our guides, there's opportunity for self-knowledge that we miss otherwise. So I've seen guides behind glass rolling their eyes, never in a mean way. I've also seen one of my favorite things that happens is that when someone has a breakthrough or an inspiration, I have seen a whole group of guides like get up and do the equivalent of the wave, like, whoa, (laughs) and sit right down, right? So you see guides in all their attributes. And also because guides don't have physical form, they don't have gender, they're energetic beings. So the names and the costumes and the attributes we assign to them, they're our own. So I also know as I'm looking at other people's guides, that what I'm seeing is what my guide wants me to see and what those guides want me to see put into a form I can understand. Oh, there's the deep sea diver guide and they're showing up that way because we're talking about whatever it is, snorkeling, or we're talking about diving deep into the problem. So I know that what I'm seeing isn't literally their guides. I'm seeing what they want to show me so that I can use that information to help the person who I'm talking to.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I was just going to say that that's so interesting because a lot of times when I start my readings for people, it always starts metaphorical. So like the guides are always showing me something. Say for instance, they're showing me either the client or them swimming in the middle of a deep ocean. And I'm interpreting what that means and how it relates to the client. And then we start to get more into them giving me more direct information. But it's interesting because for me too, there's a lot of metaphor that I almost have to interpret that they give. So I completely understand what you're saying. So you mentioned a guide for somebody's hobby of snorkeling or something like that. I know I like to share that we have multiple guides in our lives. What's your take
2: on that? Oh, I think we get a blue million guides. We get as many guides as we need. I believe everyone without exception, we come in with a master guide. So a guide who is with us from the time we come in to the time we drop our body. And usually there is one or more what I think of as vocation guides. Like you were saying, Laura, labels are silly because the labels are for us, the people, right? The guides listen to us putting labels and they're like, ah, oh, there she goes, <laughs> putting a post-it note on everything. She thinks she can control it this yeah. way. Let's let her give the labels. So vocation guide guides who help you on not necessarily your career path but like your life path and then we've got tons and tons of other little guides around healing around parenting around teaching around specific areas in the physical body I had more fun with my physical body a couple years ago I had both hips replaced and instead of doing it at a leisurely pace why not have them done both just within a few weeks of each other because that's more fun so I know that when I was recovering I had guides who I felt were like hip guides And I really did feel like I had guides who stayed with me, one on either side, just to be sure, let's help the healing process get going, let's help no more injury come here. So you can have guides around specific parts of your body. I always try to make students laugh by telling them the truth. I have a guide that helps me park the car. Because I'm very bad at interfacing with the physical world. So I stumble and I pull the door you're supposed to push and I can't get the lid off the thing. And parking the car is really hard. And I do ask my parking guide to help me. Hey, guides getting ready to pull in here. Help me get it between the lines. So guides for everything. That's so funny. Is that why I have butterfingers? Because (laughs) I'm acclimating to this physical form. (laughs) I think a lot of us weird people like you and me, right? I think a lot of us who are kind of in two places at once, have difficulty sometimes might be a little clumsier, might have unusual physical forms. I think that's part of what my thing is here. I think it's not uncommon for intuitives to have a little something that sets them apart in a different way, right? And it's not because we're spacey, but it's because we're very often doing more than one thing at once, right? Even when I'm walking the dog, I'm watching the dog and I'm picking up poop and looking out for cars and everything. I'm also might be talking to my guides or I might be praying or meditating or setting myself up for the day. And when you do several things at once, it's hard to park the car between the (laughs) lines. Or you may drop the cup of water. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. So clairvoyantly, when you see guides Are they in like a humanoid shape or are they in any
2: shape or what do they look like to you? to me, my guides are my main guides, my master guide, and also the guide who I'm working with mostly when I'm teaching, when I am doing readings, when I'm doing this interview for you, he's standing up there right in the background. I'm calling him a him. He's not really a him. He has no gender. I see him in a physical form that I've come to be familiar with. My vocation guide, I have some other guides who I see in human form. And then I have other guides like the guides who are around my hips. They didn't, Show up like people, they showed up more like a feeling, a lovely round yellow feeling of comfort and healing and presence. One of the things I love to do is teach intuitive development. And as I work with students and we talk about connecting with our guides and deepening that connection. I've heard from students over the years that sometimes their guides look like animals. Sometimes it's like just a bright light. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a sound or a sensation in the physical body. Mostly when people start talking about guides, they think their guide's going to be like Gandalf the wizard with the long beard right. and like the big <laughs> walking stick and he'll have a British accent. And yeah. <laughs> Right. So my quote unquote
1: Main guide or master guide, Jason's his name. I met him in a dream back 20 plus years ago around spiritual awakening number one for me. And I met him in a dream and I asked him if he was my spirit guide. He said yes. I asked him his name. He said Jason. I remember what he looked like and obviously I remember his name dream still sticks with me now. That's how I met a couple of my spirit guides was through a dream. But for me, mostly they do come in a humanoid figure. What's interesting, though, and again, it's always changing. I don't want to limit myself. But for a while there, they were coming to me like the blue men group, blue, no hair, just figures and some people are like oh it sounds like a galactic being but to me i'm like okay i mean maybe they felt very spirit guide to me so i went more with that but more humanoid for sure do you work with animal guides or any of the mystical realm as well uh the short
2: answer is yes the longer answer is that I've tried to set things up because I got scared so much when I was shutting my guides out. I had so many things happen that scared me. The longer answer is that I've set up so many safety baffles (laughs) that anyone who wants to work with me, if it's a dead person, if it's a guide from another person, everybody comes through my main guides. And so working with extra dimensional beings, working with ancestral spirits, working with angelic energy, even I've asked my guide to please bring all that to me in a way that I can feel the energy, but in a way that keeps me completely safe. And so I think that's the longer answer to that question. I do not, as some people do, I don't claim to be a direct channel for angels or for extra dimensional beings. I don't make that claim. I am opening to my guide. And I feel like when we do that, any of us do it, you, me, anybody, when we do that, we're opening to that big collective where all the knowledge is. And that knowledge includes things that are not human, things that are outside of chronological time, things that surpass the knowledge that we have now. Ancient wisdom and connection, because I believe that chronological time is kind of a joke, one of those little earth school. It's like the rule at the water park, you must have chronological time to go down this slide. Okay. (laughs) We also have access to in that collective when we access it, we have access to future and past events as well which is how we can look intuitively, how we can shine light on someone's heart and see something that's true about their past or about their present or about an opportunity for them in the future. Not as a prediction, you will meet a handsome stranger, but in a way of shining the light on a branching path, here's a possibility for you. Here's an opportunity.
1: So that brings me to my next question. What are some of the common themes that you've come across in doing these thousands of readings with
2: guides? At the beginning of my practice, I was doing standard psychic stuff. When will I meet my partner? Am I going to get that job? Should I move to Kansas City? As my practice deepened and grew, and as I began to teach, and as I also deepened my own connection with my guides and got to trust myself a little bit more... Some of the common themes I find in people I talk to are things like, how can I feel more free? How can I find more joy? How can I find a deeper connection with spirit? How can I move past some of the limiting patterns and belief that are holding me back? How can I forgive when a great wrong has been done to you or you've been traumatized or hurt or disrespected? How can I love again? And those are some of the things that I work with people on. I also love to work with people who are just beginning to connect with their own intuitive ability. Man, that's fun. They don't have to be a brat like me, right? <laughs> so I like to help people invite their guides in maybe before they've repressed them for 40 some years.
1: <laughs> so, what are some, I know everybody's different, but in general, for those who are listening and are interested in deepening their connection with their guides, What are some steps or advice that you can give them that they can start with? The first thing to
2: start with is take it lightly. A lot of times people will decide they want to connect with their guides and they'll go, oh, guides, what is my life purpose? Tell me now. And then they wait and nothing happens. They're like, oh, that was nonsense. I knew it. Darn it. And then they go away, right? So the first thing is don't take this so seriously. Put out a loving invitation, So you might say something like, good morning guides, and say that even if you don't think you have guides, morning guides, I love you, show me something beautiful today. And then keep your eye open for something beautiful. And if you see something beautiful, even though you think this might be a crock of nonsense and you don't believe it, when you see something beautiful, say, thank you, guides. So start light, start easy. This is a relationship. So you say hello. The second step would be maybe that was step 1A. Okay, step 1 before step 1A. Have a daily spiritual practice. Take a moment every day, even if it's 10 seconds, to get quiet, to find yourself in the present moment, to calm down, to see if you can go 10 seconds without doing something or worrying about something or wanting something or asking something. So put down a nice baseline of quiet. Once you're in that quiet place, say, good morning, guides. I love you. Show me something beautiful. Next step after that might be to ask some practice questions just for fun. Yes or no questions. The rule for those questions is they need to be things you don't care about at all. Things that have a yes, no answer and things that you can easily verify. So something I ask students to do is to ask, hey, guides, Is the male here yet? Sit, wait till you feel a yes or a no. Say thank you, whatever you feel, even if you think it's nothing. Go look to see if the male's there. What you're doing is you're starting to learn how does it feel when my guides talk to me? How does a yes feel? How does a no feel? If you're someone like you, whose guides walk through your dreams, my guides are in my dreams, but not in the way that you describe. They're more with me in my waking life. If you're someone whose guides walk through your dreams or you want your guides to walk through your dreams, when you go to bed at night, say, good night, guides, I love you. Walk through my dreams. If there's something you want me to know, I'm open to that. Tell me something in my dreams and help me remember it. Not forget it like I always do. Help me remember it. And then go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, whatever you've received, even if you think it's nothing, say thank you. So we build a relationship with our guides with respect, with an open heart, and with Gratitude for the relationship, not because they'll get mad and go away if we're not grateful. The gratitude's for us. The the gratitude reminds us that this is something we value.
1: That's fantastic advice. And I love that it's so simple as an easy to do. You can just take those 10 seconds and breathe and center and then just good morning. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Show me something beautiful. So, how do you explain to somebody? say that person who is still new to their guides, they do that whole thing of asking for something beautiful, and then they see something beautiful. What do you say to those people to let them know that they should trust that intuitively it's from their guides or not? I guess the question is, how do you teach people to start to learn to trust that intuitive message that comes through from their guides?
2: So, an important part of that for me and the way I work with students is to remember that your rational mind and your skepticism are just as important as your intuitive mind and your intuitive opening. So, don't be afraid to be skeptical. If you say, Good morning, guides, I love you, show me something beautiful, a lovely butterfly. Flutters by, you say, Thank you, guides. And it's okay to raise your eyebrow and go, Really? (laughs) Would I have seen that butterfly anyway? Was it just butterfly season and it was a coincidence? You're allowed to think rationally. So that's part one. That helps people start to trust because they think that trust means throw all your rationality out the window. That would be ridiculous. If you throw your rationality out the window, you won't have any intuition because your intuition works in the framework of your logic, your reason, your data to day, how you put things together and think and know things. So the second part of that is to remember that whatever you receive, and this happens if you wake up for a dream and you've had a scary premonition or a spirit comes to you and you're not sure if it's a guide or you don't know what to do. Whatever you receive, the beautiful butterfly, you acknowledge it. Oh, there's a the beautiful butterfly or hey, spirit being, you say, thank you. Thank you. I receive this. And then you discern what do I want to do with this? If this is from my guides, do I want to do something different with it than if it just turned out to be the butterfly crossing that I wandered into? So acknowledge, say thank you, and discern. That's also a tool for starting to trust yourself when you remember that the only thing that's changing here is that you are saying yes to the intuitive ability and the awareness that you already possess. All you're doing is saying yes to your birthright. As a child of the divine, as a child of spirit, that's all you're doing, and all your rationality, and all your excuses, and all your bad patterns, and all your good patterns, and your delight, and your wonder and curiosity, all of that is A part of this. You don't have to give up any of it to have that deeper connection. Right.
1: Because we're still human. So, but it's very human to have healthy skepticism, is what I call it. (laughs) Yeah. So, Karen, this has just been such a fantastic discussion so far. And I was wondering to help wrap up our interview if there was a message from your guide that you could
2: share with the collective for the time that the listener hears this episode. So I'm just feeling guided to say there's no matter what anyone told you or no matter what someone did to you or no matter what you've done to yourself, there's nothing wrong with you, that your beauty, your strength, your courage shines to spirit like nothing had ever happened to you. And when you connect with that strength, that beauty, the rightness of you, No matter what's going on in your life or how you feel, when you connect with that, you are connecting with spirit. There's a light in you, a flame in you that never, ever goes out. And all this stuff we're talking about, about intuition and spirit guides, all of this happens in the light of that flame. So what my guides are asking me to say to your listeners is there's nothing wrong with you. You are beautiful beyond, beautiful precious in the eyes of spirit. Please live your lives, speak words, take actions from that place, not from the place of the things that have been done to you or how you've been hurt. Thank you. That's what I'd share.
1: Thank you so much for that lovely message to you and to your guides as well for sharing that. A wonderful reminder for all of us. And Karen, you have such a wonderful energy and a nice calming presence to you that if anybody wants a reading with Karen, all the information will be in the show notes. So Karen, thank you again so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us. I really appreciate you. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Laura. Great fun to talk with you.
1: And that was another episode of a Guided Life podcast. To connect with me via my socials or for links to my book titled Guided or my card deck called From Your Spirit Guides, please visit my Linktree site at linktr.ee forward slash guided west. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always.